Naturally Savvy is sponsored by Wakunaka of America, makers of Kyolic Aged Garlic Extract, Kyotophilus Probiotics, and Kyo Green Powdered Green Drink Mix. All natural healthy solutions to support your whole body well-being. Kyo means strength. Live a Kyo life. You probably know how important vitamin D is, but what you might not know is that there are different types of vitamin D and they are not all created equal. Joining us now is Lauren Vanderheg. She is a woman's natural health expert and has been researching nutritional medicine for over 30 years. Lorna, welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much. You know, I'd love to start, first of all, just talk about why vitamin D is so important. And then if we can go into the differences between vitamin D2 and vitamin D3, and of course, what they are, because I don't know. And for our listeners out there who aren't so familiar either. Right. Well, when we look at vitamin D, for example, um, the benefits of vitamin D are widespread. And the reason why is vitamin D is the only vitamin that acts like a hormone in the body. So we need to have adequate amounts of vitamin D to protect us from breast cancer and prostate cancer. Uh, it's a fantastic nutrient to take every day to also protect you against colon cancer. And so vitamin D is a very important uh, vitamin for protecting us against different types of cancers, and it does have hormone action in the body. Uh, vitamin D3 is, as far as I'm concerned, the only type of vitamin D we should be buying. It's called cholecalciferol, and this type of vitamin D is the type that our bodies utilize. You know, I, you know, we're as you know, Dr. Zoltan Rona, who's based here in Toronto with us, and he. He is a big fan of vitamin D and he wrote a book on vitamin D and he was talking about, you know, levels. So can you tell us what the proper levels are? And like when we go to the doctor, because I tell people all the time, they should go to the doctor, get their vitamin D levels checked before they start supplementing. What would be the optimal level that we should reach for um, that, you know, their blood test should be in the range of? Right. Well, depending on where you have your test done. So there are a couple different levels, but you want to achieve at least 40 uh, nanograms per mil or 90 to 100 nanomoles per liter of vitamin D. So when you go and you get your vitamin D3 tested, and the interesting thing is a lot of doctors don't want to do this test. I, I still think it's an important test to have done. <clears throat> you want to be on the upper range of that normal level. And you also want to make sure that you take vitamin D every day because today most of us are covering up from the sun. We're wearing sunscreens. We're not exposing our body to sunlight on the whole body for 20 minutes a day either. And in the winter months, we're just simply not making vitamin D on our skin. So I think vitamin D3 uh, we should be taking daily. And, you know, the average uh, dosage that I recommend is 2,000 um, IUs per day. And if you've got one of the conditions like MS or you have a family history of MS, then you should probably take 5,000 IUs of vitamin D3 a day. Do you think it's possible to overdose on vitamin D? Mm -hmm. Well, vitamin D is a fat-soluble nutrient, so I'm, I think at some point you probably could, but it would probably be in the 20,000 IU ranges, and we know this because um, many doctors that are treating multiple sclerosis patients are giving them 10,000 IUs a day without toxicity. So I think that most of us are not going to be taking those high doses, and if you're on that kind of high dose, you're probably being monitored by a physician anyways. Yeah, I'm wondering about labeling in terms of when, you know, I like to make things easy for myself and, and for you out there. If you're going, you're going to the store, you're looking for vitamin D3, what do you want it to say? Is, are there certain words, keywords we should look for? 
Well, it should say vitamin D3, and then um, good labeling would have the definition of what the form is, and it's called cholecalciferol. And uh, so you want to look for that, whereas the vitamin D2, I, I rarely see that out there in the marketplace because most good supplement manufacturers would only use D3. And uh, vitamin D2 is ergocalciferol. So you most likely won't see that anyways. And good supplement companies will define what they have in the bottle. It'll say vitamin D3, and then it'll have in brackets cholecalciferol. Lorna, what is vitamin D3 made from? Uh, Vitamin D3 comes from a couple of sources, and uh, they are animal sources, so vegetarians tend not to like vitamin D3. For the vegetarians, they definitely are the ones who should get 20 minutes of sunshine in their body every day. So, and the vitamin D2, and I think that's why people, I guess, why it exists, the vitamin D2, is because of the fact that it comes from non-animal sources, right? That's correct, but I wouldn't use it because the body doesn't make vitamin D2, and so it's not utilized properly, and I know that there are vegetarians. I was just standing in a health food store the other day, and the woman was looking for vitamin D2 because she's a vegetarian, and and frankly, I just don't think it's going to work the same in the body. That's interesting. So, you know, do you tell people when they, you know, did you tell that woman that the one <laughs> she's, she's that. basically, she's throwing out her money and it's just kind of a, you know, it's a waste? <laughs> I did. I let her know that, well, vitamin D2 is a fungus yeast-based product, which I also don't like so much either. So, you know, I mean, it's, it's a challenge for vegetarians sometimes to get what they need. Um, cod liver oil has high levels of vitamin D3. Um, we know that there are some great supplements out there made by Carlson that has a a cod liver oil that's a natural vitamin D3. I love what you said about um, the cancers because I attended a vitamin D conference not too long ago and there was some research that was presented by, I think it's Cedric, uh, Dr. Cedric, um, I'm forgetting his last name right now, and they were saying, they're out of California, and they were saying that something like taking, having optimal levels of vitamin D can prevent something like 50% of all cancers. Oh, I absolutely agree. When we look at the breast cancer Uh, studies, women who have higher levels of vitamin D3 in the body have far less risk of developing breast cancer. And uh, women who already have breast cancer who have low levels of vitamin D3 have a worsening of their cancer and more aggressive forms of cancer. So I think that it's been underplayed. Although, you know, I'm really not a fan of just taking one nutrient. I think that we tend to get into the designer nutrient phase. So right now, vitamin D3 is hot, fish oils are hot. And people forget about everything else. So if you're going to take vitamin D3 separately, you should also be on a great multivitamin with minerals. Now, speaking of women, you wrote A Smart Woman's Guide to Hormones and A Smart Woman's Guide to Weight Loss. I'm very open about being in uh, the early part of perimenopause, and I'm having a rough time. Is not getting enough vitamin D, is that, could that contribute to a woman's difficulties? Is that something to look at? And, and also in terms of just the other hormones, the way they all play and interact together? Well, what's happening when you're in perimenopause is your hormones are fluctuating. So generally what we see in perimenopause, so the word menopause means one year with no periods. The 10 years before your periods stop, we call perimenopause. And everything after the periods have stopped for a year, we call postmenopause. What's happening to women in perimenopause is they often get surges in estrogen. So we call this estrogen dominance. And women in perimenopause tend to have a much harder time 
than women in menopause. Even though we focus so much on the menopausal hot flashes and night sweats, the heavy periods, the fibroids, the the uh, endometriosis, the breast lumps, the weight gain, all of the things that women tend to get in perimenopause can be really problematic. And it's also the time when we have the highest rates of hysterectomy simply for heavy periods, uterine fibroids, and polyps. So, yes, vitamin D does play a role, a minor role in the scope of things. What's really happening to women here in the perimenopause years is that their adrenal glands are under tremendous stress. And uh, so we have challenges, and it's thankfully easy to fix. You know, Lana, oh, you are good. definitely the hormone expert, um, and I've read you know your books, and I even gave one of your books to someone who recently was having major issues with perimenopause. So, you know, thank you for being on the show today. Unfortunately, we're out of time, but we'd love to have you come on because you're such a wealth of information, and uh, we'd love to have you back. Well, I'd appreciate it. Thank you so much. Naturally Savvy is sponsored by Wakunaka of America, makers of Kyolic Aged Garlic Extract, Kyotophilus Probiotics, and Kyo Green Powdered Green Drink Mix. All natural, healthy solutions to support your whole body well-being. Kyo means strength. Live a Kyo life.